0: A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away.
1: Smuggler's Gambit, a new Star Wars audio adventure, written and directed by Kyle Newman, co written by F.J. DeSanto, and produced by the Force cast's Jimmy Mack. Recorded live at Star Wars Celebration 6 in Orlando. What's your choice? Smuggler's Gambit stars David Collins as Han Solo and features the talented cast of The Clone Wars, including Ashley Eckstein, Sam Witwer, D. Bradley Baker, Tom Kane, Matthew Wood, Matt Lanter, Claire Grant, and Daniel Logan as Boba Fett. Hey,
0: who's shooting at us? Leave us all soon, solo. Shields, Joey. Send shields, to
1: Here's Smuggler's Gambit, a Han Solo adventure for free. And watch the behind-the-scenes video at StarWars.com slash Smuggler's Gambit. We should have left after the Death Star, huh, Furface? That's StarWars.com slash Smuggler's Gambit.
0: A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. The Galactic Republic, Confederacy of Independent Systems, and various mercenary factions, vie for control of the galaxy in a seemingly never-ending conflict known as the Clone Wars. Caught in the middle of this epic struggle, the Jedi Knights strive to maintain order and civility in a deadly game that is being manipulated by the Dark Lords of the Sith. From the war torn front lines, Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their dedicated team of analysts emerge as voices of truth and stability in these dark and deceptive times.
3: Hey, Clone Wars fans, welcome back to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, the original podcast dedicated to the Clone Wars animated series. This is episode number 112 for the episode A Sunny Day in the Void. My name is Matt the Crankster Cranky and joining me, if I can get him away from that brand new 55 inch <laughs> television high def. If I can pull him away for a few minutes, Mike, are you there?
4: Uh, yeah, I am. You know, <laughs> okay. you know what's more worrisome right now is oh, that, that Man of Steel trailer. That just oh, yeah. this I know. Uh, yeah. It is incredible. So I'm just going to commandeer the podcast for for the next hour and talk about Superman. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, I, I won't do that to you guys. But uh, but I mean, geez, it's Christmas, and mm-hmm. uh, every year at Christmas, there's usually a couple movies that come out mm-hmm. uh, that that are pretty high profile movies. We got The Hobbit coming at the end of this week, right. and uh, and with it we've got a new Star Trek Into Darkness full trailer the the trailer that was released uh, like about a week ago maybe 2 weeks ago was just a teaser trailer if you can believe that cuz there was a lot of cool stuff in that and then i uh, and then we got uh, a new poster for Superman for Man of Steel and uh, and then the trailer was released early today and and so this is uh this is that time of year when we get all of the all the geek stuff so Oh yeah, uh, all, all the all the the uh, the teases of the coming summer ridiculousness. Yeah. I mean, there's other trailers that have dropped as well. Uh, Lone Ranger. The, yeah, the Lone Ranger was today as well. Um, right. We got that uh, that the M Night Shyamalan. Oh, uh, Will Smith, yeah, I, yeah, which just looks atrocious.
3: <laughs> what um, happened to that guy, man? Oh, I, man? You know what? I loved a lot of his movies, and then like yeah. the last few had just been like, holy yeah. crap, what is
4: what's I, up it's with this weird. guy? M Night
3: Shyamalan, Ding Dong, yeah, I don't know.
4: Six Sense is obviously his his best known one, and then. Uh, and then Unbreakable, I think, is a great movie. Uh, and then Signs, I really love Signs. Like it, I did, it, too. I, and a lot of people were bagging on it. Yeah. It does. I, it, it really the, does. The twist at the end's a little bit silly. But, but yeah, I mean, after after uh, The Village and then The Happening and then what he did to Avatar. Uh, yeah. We're talking Avatar The Last Airbender, not Avatar Giant Blue Cats. But. Uh, man, after that, it, it's... It, it's hard to believe that anybody would let him even make a movie, <laughs> much less that he'd be making, be making a movie with uh, arguably the biggest box office draw of of the last, what, like 15, 20 years uh, mm-hmm. with Will Smith, right? But oh, yeah. uh, it's funny because the, the, the trailer is very heavy on Will Smith, but the movie is going to be very, very light on Will Smith, I think. Uh, it's going to be more focused on his son, so right there, that tells you not going to be a good movie. Uh, and I got—I don't have any hate for for his son. I, I enjoyed the new Karate Kid, but
3: mm-hmm. yeah,
4: oh man, stay away from that stinker. Well, hey, uh, and, that's and they're talking right now,
3: and they're talking like, you know, he's in the running for for Star Wars. Is like, oh man, I don't think so.
4: Uh, yeah, no, far from it. Kathleen no. Kennedy is a smart, she's smart not going go to, and yeah. she would not touch him with a man (laughs) (laughs) a 10 foot
3: uh vibro staff or something i don't know yeah yeah Yeah. well yeah as much as we'd like to continue talking about uh some of these trailers (laughs) and stuff i guess we got to talk some star wars man so uh let's head on to the news
0: welcome i have been expecting
2: you this is just the beginning this is where the fun begins join us or
4: die
3: our meeting was not a coincidence I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. All right, Mike. You know what I thought I'd do today, or this week, for the news? Um, I just thought I'd get a little fun with this, and and I'm calling it uh, this week's... I want to be in the Star Wars Secret Trilogy uh, part of the news today, because it seems like (laughs) over the last month, everybody has to put their two cents in about yeah, I want to be in the new yeah. Star Wars movie. And it's almost like it's almost like people and we'll get to these some of these were that are that are okay like let's just start with the first one. We talked last week about Hugh McGregor and he was on another uh, you know, promotional thing and and of course the the talk always goes to Star Wars. Yeah. So, um here's what he had to say and actually this he has uh, so in the middle here he has some pretty good comments and uh, and just take a listen to this real quick and we'll talk about it I
1: have to ask you because as you know there are Star Wars fans who are really 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 serious Star Wars fans yeah. and there's been talk that um, there will be a seven eight nine so have there has anybody approached you have you heard anything about whether you might be in Star Wars 7?
2: No, I was told by the, the, um, my friends at Lucasfilm the, the, the day before it was announced that George had sold uh, Lucasfilm to um, Disney. And um, I, so they gave me a heads up about that, which was nice of them. And uh, I, I sent him an email wishing him well and I, I, you know, uh, with what he goes on to do. I don't know uh, what that is, but I wished him luck with that. And then um, they also let me know that they were, they were planning to do, Disney were planning to make the three remaining stories. And I'd always known that there were nine stories. I remember that from when I was a kid, I guess, uh, hearing him talk about that George. Um, and he said, certainly something that we talked about from time to time. But he always told me that he wouldn't like, make the final three stories because he felt that his career, it would take so long, his career would only really be the Star Wars, which is a huge legacy anyway. But he um, felt like he had other things he wanted to do. So I don't know whether they're going to um, need me for them or not, I've got no idea. I don't know that they're written. I don't know what the stories would be. I, I never discussed with them what the what the stories were.
1: Would you be game?
2: Yeah, to of play them again. Yeah, I and mean, if they needed me, I would be up for it, of course. Because I would be. It would be. Because if they, if if Obi Wan can always end them, well, it can't be Alec Guinness sadly anymore. So, uh, but I, I would do it. I wouldn't want someone else to do it. But maybe he wouldn't be. Maybe it's. Maybe he's not going to be in them. I don't know how that works. Maybe I'll be a hologram here or there. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm very.
3: So the meat of this interview uh, I wanted to talk about, Mike, is, of course, yeah, he wants to be in it. We, we talked about that last week. But I thought it was, it was kind of interesting that George actually, obviously he's known about this, you know, the sequel trilogy for a while. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it sounds like he had talked to you in, uh, in between takes on the sets of uh, the prequel trilogy about doing uh, a sequel trilogy. And that, uh, basically, you know, it just, he wasn't going to be doing it, you know, yeah. it was going to be somebody else. And, and that kind of makes sense because, uh, he always, he's always talked the last few years about how he's not, uh, you know, he's getting older, he wants to retire. So that makes a lot of sense, I guess. Um, but I just thought that was interesting that he, he talked to Ewan and he probably talked to a lot of these actors on the set. You're like, yeah, I'm going to mm-hmm. do some more, but what a big secret they had to keep for a while. So, um. I just thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah, I but, you
4: know. I, I could have listened to him talk like all night. Like that 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 clip, it was it was what almost two minutes long, and uh, wow, like just just listening to him talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think we we talked about this before. they, they um, I think when they're in the middle of it, when they're dealing with all of the the criticism and the bile that comes out from the from film critics and. The internet as a whole, and all that sort of thing. Uh, when the movies are released, it, you can't help but be a little bit negative about the experience. But uh, but when you hear Ewan talk about it now,
1: mm-hmm.
4: he talks about it really fondly. I mean, I, I you watch the behind the scenes footage and all that sort of thing, and uh, and it looks like they were all genuinely having a lot of fun making the Star yeah. Wars movies. Whatever you think of the end product, uh, I. They enjoyed making them, and, and, uh, and uh, Ewan in particular, I think. Uh, I think that he really liked the experience. And, I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't enjoy getting to pretend to be Obi-Wan Kenobi? I mean, uh, it's one thing for these other actors to step into roles that, that have become iconic, but I, for Ewan, he was stepping into a role that that is right like it, it, it indelibly iconic and made that way by Alec Guinness one of the greatest actors who's ever lived mm-hmm. so uh, i for the opportunity for him to do it in the first place you can hear it when he says i, I definitely wouldn't want anybody else to do it right like right, that yeah. that to me just that tells you how how much he cares about the character and the experience the fact that he's gotten to put his own stamp on it um it, it, he wouldn't want somebody else to come in and take over for him, uh, and 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 I mean, uh, who would, right? Uh, I, I'm very interested to see what'll happen if if he does have any involvement in it. Yeah. Um, I, I would think that that they could do some hologram type stuff. They could do, uh, some I. Uh, Sorry, my headphones cut out there. Uh, they could, uh, they could, they could replace him physically. I mean, nowadays with with the Tron movies and stuff like that, like you see what they did with Jeff Bridges, they could bring oh, out yeah. Guinness mm-hmm. back for it, and they could just have Ewan be the voice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they could, I mean, they could have James be the voice. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> heck, heck, they could even have Jason Hunt be the voice if they really wanted to. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean there's plenty of people who can do that. Uh, but but I uh, yeah, I think there's an opportunity there for yeah. uh for for them to bring him back. I and I would love to see it. The 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 bigger the the stretch I think is more so the next person on the list. Uh yeah, and that's yeah. that's Samuel L Jackson. He wants he wants back in. I read yeah. this earlier today and oh, I was did. I was a little bit floored by this like like, I, I don't blame them It's exactly the same thing like we just talked about with Ewan and Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, you're Mace Windu. Who wouldn't want to be Mace Windu again, right?
3: But. Mm-hmm. Well, did you see, like, you know, I wasn't really... I'm not a big Mace Windu fan. Let's just be. Let's start off with that. Um, and I don't... And here's another thing that I don't like that that... Uh, Jackson came in and said, yeah, I would love to be in your, in your Star Wars movie. So George brings yeah. him in. And then he starts demanding, not demanding, but he starts saying, well, I want a purple lightsaber. Yeah. You know, like almost like I'm not going to do it unless you give me a purple, purple lightsaber. And yeah. he kind of caved into that. And I was just like, no, it's red. It, it's red, green and blue. You know, there's no purple. Come on.
4: Yeah. Well, you know un, I mean? unless they had opened it up. I mean, my thing with the purple is that he is the only one with a purple one. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a little bit too meta. You know what I mean? Like it, every time every time we see it, it kind of takes me out of it a little bit because mm-hmm. nobody else has a different colored lightsaber, right? right. Everybody else is is, is stuck yeah. within the confines of those three. But then Mace gets a purple lightsaber. So you know that it's not because he's Mace Windu. It's because he's Samuel L. Jackson and because he
3: convinced George
4: Lucas to give him a purple lightsaber. Um. and I mean like I would be fine with it if in Attack of the Clones we had seen yellow lightsabers and orange lightsabers and like sort of all of the colors like we had seen you know maybe a little bit more variety uh, we do get a little bit of it with the Clone Wars if, if you watch uh, Ahsoka's lightsabers one of them is green but then the other one her Shoto is actually almost a yellowy green and mm-hmm. In some instances, Yoda's lightsaber has been hued sort of a yellowy green. Uh, It's not always that bright vibrant green like Luke's saber from Return of the Jedi. So, um, I I don't know. It it, it was one of those things where up until Return of the Jedi, there were only red and blue. Right? Mm
3: -hmm.
4: And then with Return of the Jedi, we find out that there's green and then from then on, okay, there can be green lightsabers. But with Mace Windu, he gets a purple one and but nobody else gets a purple one. And mm-hmm. for me, it's like, well, that's kind of, you're kind of bending the rules a little bit there to make him special, make him more special than he is. Like, I'm with you in that, like, I don't I don't particularly dislike Mace Windu as a character, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's a lot going on there. I think there's a lot more going on in the expanded universe for him that makes people like the character. But if you just base it on the movies, he's actually really dry and stale.
3: Yeah, And it says he's widely cited as one of the best parts of the, you know, of the prequel trilogy and I'm like, well, not for me he wasn't, but maybe I don't know. for
4: I think I think for for you know John Q public, the fact yeah. that that Samuel L. Jackson is in the prequels, I think that that is a is a thing that people point to and go, well, at least we got to see Samuel L. Jackson be uh-huh. hardcore, you know and they'll use all their expletives and all that sort of thing uh, when describing <laughs> yeah. describing Samuel L. Jackson um but to be perfectly honest okay like I'm going through the 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 prequels uh, right. Uh-huh. right now with uh, with my in-laws I uh, because because uh, Crystal's stepdad has actually never seen the prequels and doesn't really like isn't super familiar with the original trilogy so we're going through the prequels right now we just watched episode one a couple weeks ago and uh, and we just watched episode two this past Sunday and uh, and and I mean, first off, watching them again, and watching them in Blu-ray, uh, and watching episode two on my 55-inch, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what people are talking about. I don't know where they get off saying that they're not good movies. Uh, episode one has its issues, and if it were up to me, I would, I would change a lot of it and, and rewrite some elements to, to make it a little bit more of what, what I would personally want to see. Uh, things that I think could could be done to just make it a little bit better, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I think that it's a bad movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, and episode two is right in there. I uh, just watching it again and sort of trying to be critical and looking at it with the that that view of of the way that other people see it. I'm watching it going, I don't know what the problem is. I mm-hmm. love this movie. I it's it's awesome. There's there, like. I, I would cut out maybe about 15 minutes of it I, and, and, and I think that it could hum a little bit better, but but really in truth, like the movie is awesome and the prequels are awesome in my opinion, one of the weakest parts of the prequels is Mace Windu he he just, every time he comes on screen, he just kind of sucks the life out of it right. the this, this scene with Yoda where he's uh, meditating and, and Anakin has just killed The the sand people that scene has a resonance until Samuel L. Jackson slowly walks in and then kind of walks to the the outside edge of his seat and then kind of sits on it in this very, like, um, mm-hmm. a very forced, contrived way to, like, make himself look cool. And I, it was like... I don't know. he was I feel like he was just a little bit too aware because... I love Samuel L. Jackson I think that he's a phenomenal actor I can't wait to see Django Unchained Because he looks incredible in it Like he looks like one of the best parts of that movie Mm -hmm. And a lot of movies that he's in He is one of the best parts I mean he's got all of Maybe ten minutes of screen time In Jurassic Park But his line Hold on to your butts Is one of my favorite lines (laughs) from the movie Right? Like, -hmm. He's an awesome actor But I don't think that he particularly hit it home very hard with with Mace Windu as a character. So to see him return, I, I I don't want to see him in in the sequel trilogy myself. As much as I know he wants to be in it.
3: Yeah. He made a comment like, you know, I can come back as a one armed or one-handed Jedi that's still around that didn't actually die, and, it, and at first you're thinking, "Well, that's ridiculous." But then yeah. you're thinking, "Well, wait a minute, you know, Maul was cut in half, yes, and he came back. So and, just and because, because down he went a over this,
4: yeah,
3: yeah, and yeah. just because he got thrown over a balcony, you know, who knows? I mean, yeah, who knows? In thirteen thirteen, we
4: find out that between episodes three and four, that Mace Windu was down in yeah. the lower levels of Coruscant doing his own thing and then you find out after episode six that luke goes to the jedi temple after the the fall of the empire and when he gets there mace windu is there you know like mace windu (laughs) and he's been in hiding the whole time and mace windu goes okay you may be a jedi you're a jedi knight but you're no jedi master let me show you the rope sort of thing right i here's the thing there are tons of cool stories and like I said the expanded universe character of Mace Windu is an awesome character. Uh, the the all the stuff that happens in in Shatterpoint is like if you haven't read Shatterpoint, do yourself a favor, pick it up p- pick up a copy. It's one of the Clone Wars novels. It's it's essentially destroyed by by the continuity of uh, of the Clone Wars series not necessarily I mean you could fit it in somewhere because uh, we don't see a lot of Mace Windu but, uh, but it doesn't really fit in anymore um, but if you read that book or you pick it up on as an audiobook, you will have a deep appreciation for the character of Mace Windu and every time you watch the prequels you'll be like where is he? Mm -hmm. why is he phoning it in like he's mace windu (laughs) why if he's as great as shatterpoint makes him out to be then why did dooku almost kill all of the jedi at the battle of geonosis if yoda hadn't shown up right like yeah if if mace is as amazing as he's he's purported to be Obviously, Django didn't stand a chance, and neither should anything else. Like, he should have been able to take out that entire army by himself. But, uh, you know, that's not what we get in the movies. So, I I, I don't know. It's kind of... There's an opportunity there for them maybe to redeem the character. I personally wouldn't want to see it. I'd rather see... i I just i always say it i always go back to it the thing that i want the most is the stuff i have no idea that i want yeah exactly yeah i i want luke skywalker to make an appearance in the new trilogy i also want him to die i want han solo to die i want princess leia to have a very minimal role not necessarily to die i don't think that she needs to i don't think it would do anything for the story but, I, but like I, I want her to be like Mon Mothma, right? I don't want what we got in the Expanded Universe, which is these characters running around at 70 years old doing the same thing that they've been doing since yeah. they were 20, right? Like mm-hmm. The stories need to change. That's one of my biggest problems with the Expanded Universe is that it's one thing for Luke, who's a Jedi Master, possibly the greatest Jedi who's ever lived, if you... Sort of believe everything that's in the expanded universe. Um, it's one thing for him to run around and do all that stuff. It's another thing for Han Solo to be like 65 years old, running around, fighting Yuzen Bong right? <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense. Um, and that's not what I want to see. What I want to see is is new stuff, new characters, new worlds, new stories to tell. Just just like let's go deeper into some of the cool stuff, and it doesn't have to be through the the eyes of the characters that we've already seen, right? Uh, or even, yeah. if for that matter, the expanded universe characters that we already know. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Like bringing—that's why I feel like bringing Mace Windu into it would be a step in the wrong direction, but mm-hmm. not as bad as the next actor <laughs> on our list.
3: Yeah. Well the last one in in this week's I Want to Be in Star Wars segment. Uh Corey Feldman wants a role in Star Wars as potentially uh was it Han uh Han Solo's like son or something like that. Um and I was just like this is where I what I talked about in the beginning, Mike, where it's just like anybody that's in Hollywood that hasn't really been doing anything, it's like, yeah, hey, I'm going to go tell TMZ that I want to be in Star Wars. And that's going to, you know, it's going to blow up because everybody wants to know any tidbit about Star Wars right now. Yeah. So no matter who you are, you know, Gary Coleman, he's going to say something. Yeah. You know, Robert Pattinson, you know, where's Todd Bridges at nowadays? Where's, uh? Yeah. you know, who else? Name any 80s actor that hasn't done anything in a while. Yeah. I want to be in Star Wars. Stop it. Okay? Just stop it. We don't want any more of this. Go back. To what you were doing? Go back to your yeah. uh, Goonies, which is kind of cool to, to hear about. Anyway, go back to your Goonies reunion or whatever the heck it is. Yeah. Stay out of Star Wars. Okay. You know there there <laughs> is one there is
4: one thing that I would like to see Corey Feldman do, and that is reprise his role as Donatello the Ninja Turtle. The, the voice Ninja of Turtle Donatello. I remember I would have loved it if I mean they got Sean Astin and Jason Biggs, uh, on as a uh, as. Leonardo and, and Raphael on the new series and uh, Rob Paulson is is Donatello and he had previously done Raphael and he's doing a great job I mean I I don't think I've I've shied away from the subject that new ninja Turtle show is awesome it's it's my favorite show on TV right now mm-hmm. but I I I would have loved for Corey Feldman to to have been the voice of Donatello on the new Ninja Turtles series, and I don't know if they approached him and he, you know, kind of acted like it was beneath him. I don't know if they've approached him about the new movie about uh, uh, the the new Ninja Turtles movie that Michael Bay is doing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, I, I have heard rumors that he's doing a voice in Ninja Turtles and that it's going to be a familiar character. But uh, but obviously he's not Donatello. So uh, that but that is all that I want to see out of Corey Feldman. I, I don't want more Lost Boys because. Nobody's asking for more Lost Boys. We got two sequels that nobody asked for. Uh, and uh, and and they can do a Goonies reunion uh, behind the scenes. Like, let's talk about it. But leave Goonies alone. Like, it's, it is it is what it is. Don't try and recapture anything there. You know, like, I don't know. It, it, it is one of the, like you're saying, all these 80s actors who they think because it's Star Wars that they can somehow get in on it. And, uh,
3: yeah. No, no, you can't. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> just no, uh, just go away.
4: Yeah, I want to see, I want to see some of the new Hollywood taking taking their their uh, their shot at yeah. at this. Just like we got with the with the prequel trilogy, right? I want to see, I want to see Cillian Murphy as a character. In the new Star Wars movie, can you imagine if he was like uh, some uh, like one of the bad guys? If he was like a
3: oh yeah, he was great, I don't know, like he's like a bounty him.
4: hunter or something like that, or like a, a former Imperial officer, like sort of turned uh, rebel or something like that. Like like man, it, there, there's all sorts of actors out there i uh, that that would just be awesome. That would just be great. And there's all sorts of actors that have been acting for a long time. That it's like throw them in a Star Wars movie. Put mm. Jeff Bridges in a Star Wars movie.
3: The, <laughs> put fact the that dude, he, in there. Come on.
4: Yeah, the fact that he wasn't in any of the prequels. Even like he could have been a voice of one of the something or others. You know, like, like put just get some of these uh, Put Bill Murray in in Star Wars. There is a long <laughs> list of people who should be in in the next three Star Wars movies. Uh, and Corey Feldman is sadly not on the list at all.
3: Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, no, well, you know what? I'm sure we're going to get a lot more over the coming years, but... Uh,
4: oh, yeah. It's, it's not just It's just
3: funny, yeah. It's just funny. Well, I guess we got to talk about this week's episode of The Clone Wars, so I guess we'll head on now. You ready?
4: Yeah, let's do it.
3: All right.
2: Something is stirring in the underworld. Remember...
0: There can only be two. You are our secret weapons.
2: There are some citizens of the Republic who believe the Jedi Order is not what it used to be.
0: We can help you reclaim Mandalore. Oh, my look at the diamond. Where's well, my work in the You are a clone and a soldier in the Republic Army. I sense a deep anger in you. <laughs> Thing that you fought so hard for, will be destroyed.
1: Anakin! Sometimes heroes fall, despite their strength. Onderon is out. We
3: are brothers. The true gods. gods. Choose your target's life. All right, and I'll start us off with a sunny day in the void. Under the guidance of Colonel Mieber Gascon, the droids succeed in stealing a crucial encryption module. Now, the colonel and his droid squad must return the module to the Jedi Temple to crack a separatist code detailing the impending terror plot against the Republic. As D-Squad completes its repair work on M5BZ, a warning light flashes on the ship's computer. It is heading directly into a comet storm. Gascogne orders WAC-47 to drop the ship out of hyperspace. As they come out of light speed, Gascogne and D-Squad find themselves in the middle of the comet storm. WAC-47 tries to weave a safe path amid the enormous hunks of ice careening through space, but an impact with a comet fragment knocks the shuttle's power out. So, Mike, we are right where we left off. D-Squad, they're on their way back. They got the, uh, the chip reading thing. Um... Uh, you know and here 's Gascon he still has a tiny problem with uh you know his d squad he 's still treating them you know he doesn 't have the respect for them yet or still mm-hmm. you know he's still treating them like crap or whatever um, and he calls bZ his command center instead of you know uh, instead of calling him bz or whatever so yeah. um, but some interesting stuff coming up as far as visually, this episode was the most interesting I've ever seen because. It goes from from the space stuff, which is really cool, to this bizarre uh, like piece of uh, paper that's put up against the screen, and then the actors. It's almost like a green screen without. Yeah. It was an yeah. orange screen, and that was it. It was weird. <laughs> but we'll get. I guess we'll get yeah, there. I'm we'll um, sure you guys have comments, but uh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, wac forty-seven halts the ship while the astromechs head
4: outside to enact emergency repairs. R2, QT, C4, and the newly refurbished BZ cling tenaciously to the shuttle via their magnetized rollers. They reestablish auxiliary power, but it's not enough to get the sublight drives moving. WAC redistributes power to the primary motivator, motivators, coaxing the engines back to life as a particularly dense cluster of ice approaches. So this, for me, there were there were two things in this episode, and we'll talk about one of them later. But uh, there were two things that stood out to me in this episode as cool and worth our time. Uh, one of them was this. One one of them was yeah. was the idea that these astromechs. This is what they're built to do, right? Yeah. Uh, they're built to to repair things, to uh, plot hyperdrive courses, to pilot ships, uh, and uh, and and here we see them in action doing their thing, and you. See, you begin to understand why an astromech is built the way it's built, with that design, and why they're not human-shaped like a protocol droid is, mm-hmm. or uh, Geonosian-shaped as battle droids are. Uh, like they're they're not. They don't have that that uh, bipedal design to them. They have this weird, uh, the the weird swivel on two legs, and and that that third leg that comes out. And the reason why they're designed this way is because they're built to go onto the exterior of a ship and make repairs. Mm-hmm. That's that's the point of an astromech droid. Like that's that's one of their primary functions. Uh, that and and as uh, navigation, co-piloting, uh, and targeting when when you're in something like a fighter. So I, uh, those those are the two things that we know that R2 units are good at particularly. And uh, and to finally get to see them use this again uh, is just it's it's awesome. Uh, the the one thing that it that it does for me is uh, uh, I guess we never really see the Falcon in a state where it would need repairs like this, um, but it would it would be cool. Like let's say for the sequel trilogy, this is on my wish list to see R two. Pop out to the exterior of the Falcon in this way to like go up through the hatch that that Lando goes through to, to rescue Luke. Like he right. pops up through that hatch and uh, and goes onto the outside of the ship while it's flying through space and, and R two starts making repairs to the Falcon while it's uh, while it's flying. Uh, that would be that would be epically cool. Uh,
3: <laughs> and
4: uh, and uh-huh. it's it's one of the only places in this episode where we see R two. Uh, be the hero that we know he is right uh the the rest of the episode we we pretty much focus on on whack and uh and gascon and uh i i don't know if that's the right choice myself you know i i mean we, we got a lot of a lot of buzz going on the on the the facebook group uh and it's very polarizing people either really hate this episode or they really liked it so yeah
3: yeah well, I, I enjoyed the scene too with the droids. I thought, especially outside the ship, like you're talking about, you know, there's, a, there's this camaraderie that uh, that these droids have, and it was it was it was cool to see them, you know, uh, trying to save each other. Yeah. And, and like you said, it, it made perfectly for this type of work with the magnetic uh, uh, feet or whatever you want to call it, wheels or rollers or whatever. But yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, despite Wax's best efforts, the ship continues to be pummeled by ice. Q.T. nearly uh, tumbles into space, but is saved by a magnetic cable extended by C-4. R2 does the same trick to keep C-4 from being dragged off the ship. And then BZ extends a cable as well, creating a chain of uh, flailing astromechs. The droids reel themselves back in and board the shuttle. And this is exactly what I'm talking about. It was uh, a pretty cool scene with them. And you know what? Visually, I I thought it was fantastic. I mean, how about this? How about this? I mean, you got... These ice formations that definitely reminded you of the old Star Tours ride. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Star Tours ride. There was slightly different. I mean, they were a, a cluster, like a spiky ball type yeah. thing yeah. that you would crash into. So, you know, similar. And it, it definitely reminded me of, of that old old uh, yeah. Star Tours. I don't know if you got that vibe too, or oh did yeah. You ever, did sure. you ever ride the old Star Tours? I did. Yeah. I, okay, I, I, I was
4: there the the night that they decommissioned it. So. Oh. That okay. Good. C five they decommissioned it and then i just wrote it this past summer at c6
3: nice yeah i know visually um this first uh five or six minutes this first act was uh, really cool yeah. but uh go ahead mike continue
4: yeah i the, the one thing i just wanted to mention about oh, that yeah. is uh, is that i felt like it was a little bit played out because we had just seen in in the youngling arc uh, a sequence with characters dangling mm-hmm. from a ship and, oh, yeah, like, and yeah. creating the, the, the daisy chain sort of thing, right? So right. I was like, really, you guys? Like Twice in one season, particularly <laughs> back to two back. arcs in a row, Yeah, uh, it, it seems a little bit like with these characters that they don't really know what to do with them because I feel like uh, in the instance of the younglings, it didn't make any sense in the context of the story. It was just something to do, mm-hmm. right? It was just a set piece to have. Um, and, and with this one, with this one, it made a lot more sense. One of them had to get knocked off of the ship, but they didn't want to kill one of them. Right. I, I I don't know. These two arcs feel very, um, Mm -hmm. they feel very childish and it feels almost like they're reeling back on, on some of the more brutal stuff that they've done in seasons past because I, we definitely had the one major death in the Onderon arc, but, I mean, I don't know. If you go back to Season 1 and 2, new characters don't last very long,
5: <laughs> you yeah. know?
4: And BZ definitely got taken out in last episode, but then they just put him back together, and he was fine, right? And and he's a droid, so, I mean, I guess it's a little bit of a different situation. And with the kids, y- it's not like you can kill one of the kids. Uh, I. But even there, they take out they take out, uh, um, uh, Huyang. But they bring him back, right? So, all
5: right.
4: I I don't know. It just it just feels like uh, the brutality they they. I don't know. I guess I guess I shouldn't be saying anything because in the past I've said stop killing the characters so quickly. But uh, I at this point it's it's all it almost feels like they. F- Swung way back the other way, where it's like there's no—I don't feel like there's any peril anymore because they keep just putting the characters in situ in the same situation, and we know that they're going to get out of it. You know, so Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's just—that's just my two cents.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. Uh,
4: With the stabilizer destroyed, the shuttle streaks out of the comet storm and towards a featureless planet. Colonel Gascon worries that it might be a separatist world, but WAC-47 feels it may be past worrying about such things. He holds the shuttle as steady as he can as, as he punches it into the atmosphere. Trailing smoke, the shuttle traces a dark line across the orange sky of the strange world before plowing into its chalky white surface.
3: The droids and Colonel Gascon collect themselves after the crash. R2 picks up the fallen encryption module and safely stows it within his trunk. The crew emerges from the shuttle, surrounded by an empty expanse of featureless landscape. Stark, white ground dominated by an orange sky. R2-D2 can find no information on the planet other than its name, Abafar. With the absence of data, Gascon wants to develop a recon plan, but R2 trundles ahead into the wastes. And the other Astromechs follow him. There's no time to lose on this crucial mission. mission. Gascon races after insubordinate droids, hitching a ride inside BZ. Well,
0: this is a fine mess you mechs got us into. Look at this. All the database says is Abapar, information on planet Void. Don't be absurd. We can't just go rushing off like fools into this this void. We need to stay put. Consider all the facts, and then I'll uh, I'll draw up a reconnaissance plan, and we can. Y- hey, hey, where are you going, soldier? He says we have to finish our mission. Hey, where did you get that? That is classified material. I will not stand for insubordination. Do not worry Colonel. I can leave the mission from here and return the module. Maybe they'll give me a promotion.
3: So my, after the commercial break, you know D Squad is is now on this planet Abafar. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, you know visually something that that I I don't think we've ever seen before, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, this contrast, I mean mm-hmm. this orange it just or it's like i said it's almost like a an orange screen and this dirty white like he says dirty white chalky uh, surface it's just like void it's just like no detail at all yeah it was it was wild and in, in the, this particular scene it kind of reminded me of uh, a new hope when r2 and c-3po they land on uh, a and 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 r2's just, he has a mission he's got a plan and he's going and yeah. it's almost like here you know he's He's got a mission and planet, and the rest of the astromechs are going to follow him. So it kind of a little bit reminded me of A New Hope. But uh, what is, what's up with this? This is crazy. You know? this, the rest of this episode is this wild uh, you know, orange backdrop yeah. with you know, half of its orange, half of its the white chalky surface. It's just, man, it was bizarre, wasn't it? Something I've yeah, never it, seen before. Obviously, they're going for something. You know, they're going for something just totally out of the box. Yeah, no, which, it, is, it, which is fine.
4: It's definitely a different look, and uh, and and the, I don't know. I like, like, I, I didn't enjoy this episode uh, as a whole. Uh, the individual right. aspects of it, I don't have a problem with. I uh, I don't mind that they're on this barren planet. Like I I think it's kind of a cool idea, mm-hmm. that they've landed on a planet that just has nothing on it. It's got an atmosphere, but yeah. that's it. Um, and for the most part, you, you you're walking around going, uh, "Is there anything here, anything at all?" <laughs> yeah. And then at the end of the which makes the end of the episode interesting, right? Because you, you go like, "Well, uh, yeah. if there's if there's creatures here, then you know, then they must have some sort of a food source and some sort like they must get water from somewhere, mm-hmm. um, and and that sort of thing." But I uh, but. We, I just feel like we spent way Too long Just try, Beating it into our heads That, that mm-hmm. Gascon Is not a good leader And that he's gonna lose it Right mm-hmm. like it's just By the time that it starts to happen You're like okay just get there already We, we get it Like he's gonna, he's gonna lose it And somebody else is gonna have to take over and uh, it should be R2, you know, like it, it, it just you, you get it. You, you sort of from the moment that they land and he's starting to lose it in the beginning, yeah. you're like, right. okay, like let's move on with it, let's get to wherever we're going, you know. But yeah, uh, I, I don't know, I, I don't know, let's just continue. We there's other stuff to talk about, so okay, I. Uh, Sorry, where are we? Uh,
3: The day progresses.
4: Uh, The day progresses, but there are no visual cues as to the passage of time. No sun journeys across the sky of Abafar. Instead, a diffuse orange light bleeds from the sky, eliminating most shadows. There are no landmarks as far as the eye can see. No life, no structures, no deviation in the landscape. The droid caravan doesn't even leave tracks in the the regolith. That's a new word for me. Yeah. Uh, colonel Gascon drains the last precious drops from his canteen. The oppressive heat bears down on him and he loses his temper at being lost in the desert. Gascon argues that the droid's programming is inferior to his instincts and training, but WAC-47 begs to differ. When he casually suggests that he should be put in command of D-Squad once Gascon inevitably dies, the little colonel erupts.
3: And, and I'll just say one thing, you know, was bizarre... As far as the landscape, and but I did I did notice that there was this just contrast of how detailed the animators were, you know, with the droids and, and you know they had this dirty weathered mm-hmm. um, look, and even Gascon, you could just tell all the it, it was a dirty, hot, you know, sweaty type planet, and they really yeah. convey that through the animation there, and it and it just set against this plain black, it was just wild, you know, so I do have to give them. Give him some props for uh, the just the amazing detail of that. But yeah. uh, uh, Gaston's temper boils over when R2-D2 points out that they are approaching a crashed vessel. Assuming that D-Squad has marched in a circle, Gaston starts breaking down until he realizes the ship is ancient, maybe hundreds of years old. Found amidst the wreckage is the remains of the pilot who seemingly died as a result of staying with the ship. Forlorn, the tiny colonel loses the will to continue and descends into a ranting despair. The droids decide to begin voting for a new leader. WAC 47 and R2 D2 each want the role. So, uh, Mike, I have to ask you did you hear about that? That could be Jackson that was dead, the carcass there. Did you hear that? No, I didn't. You I, didn't? <laughs> I didn't. I have to yeah. go back.
4: Is that, where, where'd you hear that from?
3: It's just been on like the. Uh, you know, the Star Wars sites and the web and all that. The, I think I saw it on Twitter or something, or something like that. I just thought it was yeah, interesting wait. because of the flight suit, apparently. Yeah. yeah. It's supposed to look like uh, Jackson's. Uh, so I was like, dang. He hasn't made an appearance and he's already dead. I'm just dead. bringing wow. up
4: StarWars.com and, uh, and I'm going to take a look and maybe in the... Oh, there it is right there. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, oh my goodness, that, that kills me. Unidentified alien skeleton design illustration, but man, he's got the buck teeth. Like it's obviously like a rabbit-like skull, and then, uh, yeah, the flight suit is looking an awful lot like uh, Jackson. It totally is.
3: <laughs> is it totally is. It? <laughs> That's totally what it's
4: supposed to be. Yeah, uh, that that kills me. I'm not okay with that. That's not okay. That's not cool. Yeah, wait.
3: I mean, soon. Yeah, he's already. Wow. Yeah,
4: that's not cool.
3: <laughs>
4: Undo. I don't believe it. I don't believe yeah. it. You it's don't have to him. believe
3: it. Of course, yeah. It's and not I him. Just... It
4: might be one of his his kind or something like that. But that's not Jackson. Cause I want. I still want to see that character.
3: i know you do that was the one the star
4: wars comics back in the day that was like that that was one of the things with the star wars marvel comics that always for some reason just resonated with me and obviously other people because we ended up with with the the cartoon series bucky o'hare right which was a green rabbit in a flight suit while he was kind of in like a, a like an admiral's Costume, but he—it was in space. He was in space, and he was a green rabbit with a blaster. So, you know, I think somebody else read those comics and was like, "I want to see that character." But man, I've been—I've been hoping and hoping and hoping that we could see Jackson in—in the Clone Wars at some point. That they could use that character and bring him into the continuity. But this is not what I was hoping for. That's really yeah. upsetting to me. <laughs> Man, now uh, I hate this kick out episode. Now yeah, I'm really against this episode. Now I see why everybody else is so upset. Oh, uh, that's uh, fine. Gascon, meanwhile, thinks he spots something on the horizon. He scrambles toward the mirage, which dissipates before his eyes. Instead of salvation, Gascon finds his discarded canteen, proving that D-Squad has indeed been going in circles. Gascon loses it, reducing reduced to a cackling fit of madness and is, uh, existential crisis.
0: There has to be something out there! Show me a sign! A <laughs> glimmer of hope! <laughs> I do not know who he is talking to. Maybe whoever programmed him. Oh, there I see something in oh, a village. <laughs> what are you waiting for? We're saved! <laughs>
3: Man, I'll tell you what. You did say it right earlier. He is losing it, <laughs> Gascon. Yeah. I mean, you you can obviously tell now that uh, he came from uh, the cushiness of a war room and not uh, on the battlefield or not. It's not even a battlefield. I mean, you're just walking across uh, this crazy desert planet. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely losing his mind, like you said earlier, Mike.
4: Yeah, he's 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 done for. And this is the <laughs> point in the episode where it just starts to get annoying because the, the – the, Recap here says they 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 they've clearly been going in circles. Uh, I don't I don't think that's the case. I think that like R two was like I'm gonna go in a straight line, as long as it takes to get, you know, somewhere. And uh, I I highly doubt that in the time that we've been on this planet that they could have circumnavigated the entire thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and I trust R two. If R2 says he's going in a straight line, he's going in a straight line, right? And there's three other uh, astromechs that are all built for navigation saying the same thing. So, uh, yeah, I yeah, I think they get to that ship, and he's like, Oh, we've been going in a, in a circle because this is our ship. And they get to it, and it's not their ship. And then he turns around, and he runs back in the other direction. And, yeah, he ends up back at at their water bottle... But I think then r two is like well, well I'm just gonna pick another direction and start going like and he, and and in a second like they just they just go and I don't think that they were that they were going in a circle yeah. at all I, I I think I think that Gascon has just lost it
3: yeah he does and and I'm actually uh on the line not on the line but over skype here I'm talking to Steven Stanton who does Gascon and he says uh I said, yeah, we're talking about your uh, Gascon losing his mind. He said, yeah, very existential stuff. Shades of Lawrence of Arabia. Mapmaker turned warrior in over his head. So that's coming directly from uh, Stephen Stanton. See,
4: now, I feel like that's probably an allusion to what we're going to get next, right? Right, yeah. I don't don't know. Like, this is the thing. And this is is something that I think I've talked about a lot uh, on Frontlines. And that's that... They do these arcs, and they split stuff up, and each episode kind of is this self-contained little thing. And it has to be to a certain degree. It has to be episodic like that. But I I think a lot of the time they ha- they go, well, in the arc, we do this, 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 and this. But in each individual episode, I think sometimes there's, a, there's at least one episode in a four-part arc that suffers for that. Mm-hmm. Because... Nothing really happens in this one. This is this is an episode that just connects the story, and and, and we've talked about that a lot. Uh, Brothers was like that. Uh, we got episodes in in uh, well, an episode in the Andoran arc that was like that. We got an episode in the Youngling arc that was like that with the with the circus stuff. Where it's like it's really just we're really just connecting one dot to the next dot. Um, nothing actually happens. Uh, we, we get some character moments but are those character moments worth it and I think you know in, in the uh, in the Young Jedi arc you could argue that they are in the Andron arc you could totally argue that they are uh, whether they're slow episodes or not there sometimes there's something there to, to be interested in uh, in this one all we do is reinforce that we don't like Gascon as a character and I don't want to say that you know like uh, it's Steven does an excellent job. I love the Walter Matthau uh, sort of voice that, that he gives the character. Uh, I love the concept of the character. I feel like they're doing such a disservice to him to, um, in in this episode in particular. They're showing such a weakness and such a... I don't know. I, I just don't like him, right? Like, there's nothing... There's nothing in him, there's nothing in the last episode to make me go, I'm rooting for this guy. And then in this episode, they just reinforce it. That not only was he all bluster and, and uh, criticism in the last episode, we find out in this episode he can't even back it up, right? Yeah. Like it's one, It would be one thing if he was critical and, and sort of uh, bossy and, and overbearing and all that sort of thing. If in the next episode they're in a crisis situation and he gets it together and, sa- and says to these droids, like, look, we're going to do this. This is the game plan. And and his training uh, wins out in the end, right? Like and, and he saves the day. That would be something. But instead we go from a character that was unlikable last episode to a character who's even more unlikable in this episode. Yeah. So...
3: Yeah, it's uh, interesting to hear you know, directly from him what he, uh, yeah. what he thinks. I was going to try to get him on, but it seems like he's uh, eating dinner right now, but we'll, <laughs> we'll try next time. Uh, let's see, I'll continue. WAC 47 refuses to accept R2-D2 as his commander and stays put as R2 leads the rest of D-Squad into the void. This leaves Whack 47 and Gascon alone in the emptiness. WAC 47's refusal to give up gives Gascon reason to change his thinking. He was trained to seek out rational solutions, something seemingly impossible in the madness of the void. And and I forgot to mention a little bit earlier, but these two kind of have this. Um, how do I write it down? They have this programming versus, uh, you know, Thinking outside the box, or however you want to, however you want to call it, uh, and the difference between the two training, actually training—that's what it was training and programming. So, and they have this back and forth with with each other, and uh, you know, Gascon tries to tell Wack, you know, that training is better because of this. You know, you can think outside the box and this and that, and then here's uh, Wack, He's saying, well, isn't you know all that training you do, isn't that just programming? You know, they just keep constantly training on the same thing over and over again how to deal with something isn't that the same thing so that that was kind of a little interesting play of of words and stuff going on there so it kind of continues here and and uh it finally comes to the you know gascon realizes that yeah i I need to change the way i i think and and uh he starts to come around again so he kind of loses it and then he's back again he comes right back so uh but uh yeah again this, like we've already talked about, it. this is one of those episodes. You know, I'm I'm ready to see some lightsabers come out. I'm ready to see some action, but uh, it's going to be a little while. So yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Mac. Uh, the uh.
4: ground starts to shake and a rumble rolls in from in from the endless horizon. Whack 47 and Gascon watch with surprise as a stampede of hundreds of bird-like creatures approach. The uh, the Colonel realizes that salvation lies not in his training or Whack 47's programming. But rather on natural instinct, he and wack Forty Seven each leap onto the back of two passing creatures, riding with the flock as the creatures approach a city and its life-giving reservoirs. So I, I really liked the reference in here. Uh, it's yeah, just oh, a, yeah. a visual yeah. reference to Jurassic Park. Huge,
3: yeah. Right to, your face, to, huh?
4: uh, to the Gallimimus scene.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I
4: thought I thought it was pretty great. I it was uh, maybe it was just the despair of being stuck in that desert with them for so long. That anything at all I would I, I found interesting, uh, but yeah I really liked it. I, I thought that it was a cool nod to Jurassic Park. Um, the one that didn't need, we didn't need to get hit over the head with it was really subtle, but uh, but really strong at the same time. So,
3: yeah, it was just it was directly right out of I mean just the way they moved, uh, the way the the pack moved. It just yeah it was almost like they, almost did a shot for shot. You know like they were watching it. And, yeah. and animated the same way. Really, really clever, clever uh, animation there. And and Gascon realizes that, uh, hey, you know, obviously these uh, creatures have an instinct, and they're going to know where to go. They're either going to go for food or water or shelter or something like that. So, you know, he starts thinking again, uh, uh, not programming, of course, but yeah. just thinking rationally on what to do. So, uh, the city carved out of the surface is Aura. Gascon and WAC-47 are surprised to see the rest of, of D-Squad already there. Gascoigne is pleased to realize he has a second chance to complete his mission. Out of gratitude, Gascoigne promotes WAC-47 to the rank of Corporal. WAC-47, content with his new title, begins to bark orders at the rest of D-Squad. The Astromechs bemused by the situation. Uh, R2 still holds the encryption module after all, which is most important. Uh, head into the city ready for the next phase of their adventure.
0: You said, Colonel? Tell you what whack. Why don't you get the squad ready to roll? I've got a second chance to complete this mission and I intend to take advantage of it. After I rehydrate myself. That'll be all. Corporal. Corporal? Yes, sir. The squad will be ready to roll. Attention! Front and center soldiers! I want us ready to roll. Pronto, pronto! That is corporal whack to you, soldier. And I will not tolerate insubordination! <laughs>
3: So they end up, and R2 and them have already made it there. Wow, he kind of knew that was coming, but uh, it kind of ends on uh, like we're at the city. So this is interesting. You know, is this a city? What is this? What is this going to be here? Uh, is there anybody there? So a lot of uh, kind of a cliffhanger a little bit for the next few weeks before we come back. But again, this arc is. Kind of been slow for me. Um, like I said, I, everybody knows that, that mm-hmm. listens to the show that I'm into the action. I'm into the lightsabers. I'm into the nitty gritty. The you know I'm not into the fluff, man. I like to see uh, arms flying off and stuff like that. But uh, I did enjoy the performance of Stanton. I mean, he's always good. The voice actors, of mm-hmm. course, and visually um, in the beginning was was kind of cool. And it had this, his jumps, to this you know, just crazy. Uh, we talked about this Mobius uh, artist who's supposed to be an influence and i don't I'm not sure how or where I have to read up on that but uh, uh, I don't know hopefully we're gonna get some uh, action next episode and is the Republic Commandos coming next episode? I don't know I, I sure hope so
4: come on I think he is
3: because the next
4: episode I, I think that we've we've uh, speculated that it's gonna be missing in action and uh, that sounds to me an awful lot like. Like what we've seen about the uh, the uh, Republic Commando storyline, so right. Yeah. So I, I I'm psyched for the last two episodes of this arc, but I am like you a little bit disappointed in these first two. It's yeah, been a little bit humdrum. But
3: yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, let's go. On, let's uh, head on over to the Facebook posts. Do week. it.
1: Wait a minute, play back the entire message
0: Where are those transmissions you intercepted?
2: He is carrying a message from an Obi-Wan Kenobi I was beginning to wonder if you'd got my message I saw part of the message
3: was. You- I seem to have it Alright, today's Facebook post comes from Walter Onisiewicz. Uh Do you want to take this one or do you want me to take it?
4: Sure, I'll take it uh, Alright, go ahead, yeah a Random thought, many people comment on how Imperial Stormtroopers seem less capable than the Clone Army of the Republic I think the Emperor did this intentionally, either genetically, or bad helmet design. After Order 66, for all practical purposes, all of the the Emperor's enemies had been wiped out. So the only potential threats against him were the clones and Darth Vader. So I think he dumbed down both. Think about it, Palpatine killed his master in his sleep, so now Darth Vader is a walking Iron Lung? Who has lights on it, (laughs) an Iron Lung who has lights on his chest? Who can't sneak up on anyone? Coincidence? I think not. Uh, th- this is uh, this is funny. It's a little bit of spoilers, by the way, for those of us who haven't read uh, uh, Darth Plagueis, but that's okay. Uh, or are still in the process of getting through the, uh, the audiobook. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, we all know that, that Sidious kills Plagueis, right? So, I uh, but yeah I, I i the idea that that the emperor intentionally handicapped uh, vader is kind of hinted at in um in uh the darth vader novel in rise of the dark lord uh the the sequel to the episode three novelization um mm-hmm and they, like it's kind of in there uh, that that he would do it to the clone troopers uh, possibly I, I, I don't know that, that he's necessarily all that worried about the, the stormtroopers overthrowing the empire uh, I, I think of all of the members of the empire that the military has it the best because mm-hmm. it is uh, an empire so uh, empires are generally built to do one thing and that's conquer so uh, for him to to hamper his uh, his his army would probably not be the best idea but he could probably make up for the individual clones shortcomings uh, with numbers right so so I don't know maybe Walter might be on the right track here there there's some interesting
3: concepts mm-hmm. in there yeah well you know he talks of, uh, in the beginning about you know just the stormtroopers versus the um uh, clone Troopers. And wasn't there an episode in the Clone Wars, this show right here, The Clone Wars, where they talked about um, Django's uh, DNA kind of being stretched thin. Am I thinking of the, yeah is this was that in this show or is it something else? It was in the Clone Wars, right?
4: Uh, I think it is in the Clone Wars, yeah,
3: something. yeah, cause I remember them talking about that, how they how to have to stretch it and they have to kind of add different things, you know, and and that's kind of how uh, over the years, uh, you know the the clones, are and as they turn into stormtroopers, they, they kind of become less capable and not as as uh, mm-hmm. formidable as they were uh, back, you know, episode one or episode two days and all that. So I remember I remember reading that.
4: If if in fact the stormtroopers are, are clones, I, I I don't think that they are. I think I don't think of, they are either. Yeah, I think no. George has sort of gone on the record as saying that by the time you get to the Empire, the clones are kind of out. And, uh, and conscription is in. And that's, uh, that's sort of the status quo. But uh, if, in fact, the clones are there, I think what you've got there is, is less a case of the genetic material being uh, less available. Like, that, that could be part of it, but I think a lot of it, for me, would be that, that uh, particularly being a fan of the Republic Commando series, uh, that once django has gone... And the other bounty hunters who only really had allegiance to Django, and uh, and you know, and the money. Like once that dries up, the the training protocols aren't there, and the, the uh, and and, and uh, the Clone Wars is confirmed that there are bounty hunters that train the the clones. That uh, that that there are these outside sources that that get the clones up to snuff, right? Yeah. Um, uh, we saw that in. And uh, I oh, what's the one that comes before rookies? Uh,
3: before Rookies? Oh man! Can't Go think on. of the
4: name of the episode, but you guys know what I'm talking about. I um, so we know we know that 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 sort of thing is going on. That's that's continuity stuff. So I the I I personally think that equipment might be part of it. I and I. Uh, design and that sort of thing but i think that a lot of it's the training that once django has gone the training sort of dries up and I, i'm pretty sure that at one point or another that george said that when Django dies the the cloners no longer have sort of a fountain of genetic material to work from right they can't just keep taking his genetic material mm. um and uh, and what they have slowly degrades and and uh I mean, it must have a shelf life. I guess that's it's essentially what they're getting at, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they can do their best to replicate it, but at a certain point they, they sort of run out, and that's when the Emperor starts bringing in conscripts, uh, and and the, the Stormtrooper army is just made up of whoever. Um, and uh, as silly as it is, uh, Detours kind of points towards that, because uh, the... Those stormtroopers, I don't believe are clones. I think that they're just random conscripts yeah. to the army. So, so yeah, I, that's that's my opinion on it. That's where I think it goes. But yeah,
3: that's cool. Yeah, great great post from Walter. I mean, he's he's a big uh, poster on uh, on the Facebook group. So we're happy about that. You know, like um like I said earlier, I've been talking to S- uh, Stephen Stanton, and uh, I might be able to get him on here in just a second. So. Cool. For those listening, um, if you can just hold on, let am see if I can get him on. Uh, let me see if I can, uh, he says, oh, let's see. Well, let's see. I'm going to tell him just to, uh, I'm going to add him to the conference call, see if I can get cool. him on here.
4: And
3: if he has his mic on, that is, um, he was just finishing up dinner, so we'll see. That? I, th- I think that's him. Hello? Steven. Steven. Hey guys! Hey, this is Matt hey. and Mike from the Clone Wars podcast. <laughs> hey,
5: how are you guys doing? Are you are you recording your podcast right now? Yeah, yeah we,
4: we're, you're 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 on.
3: Right? You're on live. Yes. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. We just um, finished up talking about the episode, and we uh, we have our this little Facebook thing we do with our our uh, listeners. But uh, we were just kind of finishing up, but. Uh, we just got you for uh, just a minute or two. We want to get your thoughts on, uh, we were just talking about Gascon and, and this crazy ride he's on. You know, he's, uh, he's crazy at one minute, then he comes back. And, and you were just mentioning to us that uh, how this existential and the, the uh, Lawrence of Arabia uh, reference. Can you kind of go into that a, a little bit?
0: Ah yes, well, Colonel Mabel Gascon is similar to that other great heroic figure in Earth history, T. E. Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> I,
5: I think definitely in that episode, there's some similarities of the sort of mm-hmm. map maker turned warrior, kind of like in over his head cross the you know the, the the devil's anvil of a desert kind of a thing, and him losing his mind or getting close to losing his mind. It was it was really a I have to admit, this this episode is really dividing the audience, and you know, it is. Yeah, I, I can yeah. see, I can d- definitely see why it's it's very different from anything that we've done up to this point. When I, uh, you know, first got the audition for this character, there was no indication that he was an alien or that he was small or anything. It just said, "This is a military colonel."
3: Mm-hmm.
5: So they wanted kind of a straight, sort of a kind of a, a voice for it, and you know, I kind of you know, came up with what you heard there was actually a little bit more toned down, that kind of thing, you know, and once I got to the session, Dave Filoni said, okay, here's what your character looks like, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's so tiny! <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, and then I guess, and so make the voice even bigger to contrast against his size, this guy has an ego the size of, you know, an entire planet, so oh, yeah. you want to get that across, and of course... I think that you know does come across. He calls all the droids by these terrible nicknames, and then has to come to grips with his own uh, you know yeah. insecurities and stuff.
3: So, yeah, we, yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. So I just wanted to ask. <laughs> I just
4: wanted to maybe get confirmation from you. I I hear a little bit of a Walter Matthau in there is that is that an inspiration for the character's voice
5: well not consciously no but now that you no. say it's like you know now it's garbage you know that
0: yeah, felix, yeah i'm couple. Not gonna be messing up my apartment again felix
3: <laughs> yeah yeah
5: no there's yeah. De- that there's a definitely some uh some george uh uh George C. Scott as, as Patton, mm-hmm. a uh, oh, little bit of like Sam Elliott from We Were Soldiers, that kind of a grizzled oh, kind of character. You know, like I said, it was originally when uh, the, the audition came was very sort of a realistic kind of a character in the sense of like how this was going to be played. And of course, still doing it that way or not, you know, you don't necessarily play comedy when it comes up, you know, in a funny way. It's just it comes out funny based on the situation. And I think whack is a perfect foil for the colonel's ego
3: yeah, we were just talking too uh, about the episode and how um, you know how, how Gascone treats these these droids you know like crap and then and then he just loses it, like we said, and he comes back and then there was also this we talked about how um, Gascon and whack they have they they have what, what did I say Mike it was um, uh, training versus programming yeah yeah. Uh-huh. And how Gascon, he's, he's all about the training. And then how Wack comes back and says, well, you've been trained so much. Isn't that the same thing as programming? So I don't know. It was, it was that, that part of the episode was cool. But like you said, it really has divided the audience. I mean, this was, a, as far as visually, Steve, I mean, this was probably the most interesting episode we've seen visually. Because I, I told Mike it was like a, a green screen, only it was orange. You know, and like the actors are, the, the Clone Wars characters yeah. are behind this orange screen.
5: It was, it's very, I, you know, it's, this will be an episode long remembered. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's very different. You know, there's been a lot of people talking about the different influences, whether it's Mobius. Yeah. You can mm-hmm. hear Brent Friedman talking about, uh, you know, how he wrote the episode on StarWars.com. There's a great interview with him talking specifically about A Sunny Day in the Void. Uh, and then, you know, there's, uh, there's, very, there's shades of THX 1138 with that. -hmm. Void background. It's very much like you know those scenes with Robert Duvall in in that movie. Uh, Like I said, the sort of parallels to Lawrence of Arabia are there. There's all kinds of things, and then you know you've also got some people have been talking about the relationship between uh, WAC and the Colonel, and it's it's very much kind of a to me it harkens back to like uh, Episode Four, the sort of Laurel and Hardy uh, relationship that C three PO and R two D two have. They're very R two D two. It's just he brings out the worst in characters that are flawed it Mm -hmm. brings he brings out their flaws because he's logical and he does things in a logical way you know 3po was constantly at his wits end very much like uh the colonel is trying to argue with wax logic you know regarding programming versus training Mm
3: -hmm. yeah that's uh yeah that's exactly what we're talking about it was it was one of those episodes man uh mike anything else before we let steven get back to uh to no, his dinner. <laughs> I'll, I'll,
4: I'll just say I'll just say that uh, I, I'm sort of following on on the side of, of uh, not particularly enjoying uh, the last two episodes as much as I want to, uh, and I think that one of those one of the reasons why is to. Uh, and I'm not just saying this because you're on right now. I've been saying this last week and this week. Mm-hmm. I really love your your voice work and the characterization of Gascon. I don't particularly like the direction that they've taken him in. I, I feel like there's likable stuff in the character, um, particularly in your voice work, and and that 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 uh, that sort of um, like you were talking about Patton and Sam Elliott, and I and I mentioned Walter Matthau, and, and like it's sort of that that um, familiarity of the voice mm-hmm. and and I and the design of the character I love. Um, and the the concept of this little guy that's larger than life and that has these huge ambitions and uh, and he sort of looked down on and and that 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 correlates with how the droids are treated in particular. Whack. Um, I think there's a lot of really cool stuff there, and I just feel like there's a lot of missed opportunities. And, and in this last episode in particular, uh, your your vocal performance was definitely there and and was top-notch, and, and we got what the character was going through, I just didn't want to see the character going through it. It, it was uh, it was a little bit much for me. So, so I don't know, just to sort of, uh, to, to be that, I don't know, devil's advocate is the <laughs> right word for it, but but to just sort of, to, to have that voice for that side of it, there, I think one of the reasons why people are disconnecting with this episode in particular is, is because of that, is because we, we want to see the stuff in these characters that, that is a little bit more relatable, and, and uh, maybe uh, the question for you is in, in the next two uh, episodes in this arc, will we maybe get to see a little bit more of that? Well, I definitely... And thank you
5: for your compliments, by the way. On uh, for, like, he's, he's a lot of fun to do. Like I said, very different from uh, a lot of the villains and other characters I do on the show. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, you know, I don't think anybody really expected 100% of the audience to go for these episodes. These mm-hmm. are... You know, every artist or creative uh, person, whether it's uh, a single person or a crew, they... They, they like to experiment, to try doing different things. And change is always very hard, especially for an audience, when their expectations are one way and you give them some something else. The beauty of having a series like The Clone Wars is that they have the opportunity to, to experiment and either succeed or fail based on whether or not the audience likes it or not. The one thing that I, I would have to say about some of the arcs in this show now is that they are... To me, they're starting to be more like uh, movies that are chopped up into pieces rather than standalone episodes that are linked together. So mm-hmm. this is one of those yeah. things, I think, that, you know, looking back, you know, when the DVDs come out, when you watch them all in a row, because I've seen the entire this entire arc from beginning to end all in one sitting. Oh, okay. I was blown away because when you see it all in one shot, Sunny Day in the Void isn't something that you're waiting three weeks to see the next Part two, you know, I'm sitting yeah. there watching it in you know a theater type situation and saying, "Oh, this is this part of the movie where they get lost in the void, yeah. and then such and such happens, and then such and such happens." It's very hard. It's 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 a hard demand to make of an audience. So I definitely am, am you know, I'm rooting for everybody to stick with this because I think everyone's <laughs> really going to be pleased with the, what ends up coming out in the last part of this uh, story.
3: I think that's why the only downside is, like you said, Stephen, to all these, that's the direction that the Clone Wars is taking, these multi-part episodes. In. And to have these broken up, it kind of pulls you out just a little bit, And especially with this one, because we got to wait two or three weeks for, to see what happens. So it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a downer. But, you know, listening to you uh, do your gas going in that part where he just kind of loses his mind, that was one of the, the best parts of the episode. It was yeah, and, very you know, funny. Yeah.
5: I had no idea how they were going to animate that. You know, Dave Filoni's explaining to me. It's he's like he's, already, you know, he's yeah. lost in this, like, snow blindness. You know, he can't, he's going crazy from the fact that there's nothing there. There's no shadows really to be seen. There's no tracks. He's like, he just, he just said, just go over the top with this thing, you know, and just make it. But he said, don't make it too scary, you know, remembering what our audience is like.
3: Mm-hmm, yeah.
5: It's got to go insane within the realms of not giving kids nightmares about it. Uh, so there is, but you know, people are talking about these episodes, and, and that's the great thing. You know? Oh yeah. yeah. As, long as there's discussion, I think it's good. The Clone Wars is, and Star mm-hmm. Wars in particular is very good at getting everybody to talk about the new things that they're trying out. And uh, I have to give them credit for being so bold to try something like this. The thing that you that we got to do on this uh, arc that is not always, um, it's not always available to me and some of the characters that I do. Uh, Because they're not, you know, characters like, you know, that star throughout the entire series. It really gave us a chance, both myself and Ben Diskin, to just concentrate on these two characters. Because many times we were the only two people in the room for the entire session. Ah, We were doing all the recording. It was just, it was like, you know, kind of like, almost like experimental theater. Where you've got Hmm. two people on a stage and like minimal, you know, like a chair and, you know, a, a glass of water next to this other guy. And that's it. It was very much experimental in that sense. It was was a lot of fun to do. Uh, Like I said, uh, I I don't expect everybody to to like the episodes, but I'm certainly glad Mm -hmm. that everyone's talking
3: about them. Oh yeah, definitely. That's definitely what it's doing. Um, Stephen, Hey, thanks so, so much for just drop, dropping in for a minute. It was, it was great. It was fantastic. I had a fantastic time. talking to so you. but, uh, I'm still working on my walking by the way.
4: You certainly like, are. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't <buy> Christopher <laughs> Sounded more like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Than yeah. you well, no,
3: stuff. no, I was Arnold, but I'm still, oh, okay. I don't well, want extra, to break out the walking yet. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to break it out yet. I still, I still got to perfect it, but, uh, Yeah. Thanks again, and and say hi to Kathy and Dutch for me. Uh, You know, like I said, I know. Right uh, here, say hi. Hey, what's going on, guys? (laughs) Having dinner. We're all having burritos. All right. Nice. Burrito bar is open here. (laughs) The burrito bar. We'll be down Mm -hmm. in a minute. (laughs) Hey, thanks. Actually, here. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing fantastic, man. We've been plugging along the last ten or so weeks of the Clone Wars on our podcast here, but. Family's doing great everything's going well for me uh, here in California Canada I don't know that's a different story you got to ask Mike about that. <laughs> are you guys are you guys gonna come to uh, Germany uh, we're actually me and Mike were talking about doing the D uh, d23 Expo right Mike
4: yeah yeah talking about doing the the Disney one uh, now that Star Wars is going to be under that umbrella uh, so if, if we it's it's about bang for your buck if we go to d23. <laughs> We can uh, we can check out all the Star Wars stuff, all the Disney news, and all the Marvel news in one place. So, yeah. uh, and, and go to Disneyland because it's right across the street. So, <laughs> exactly, so, that's so yeah, that's 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 that's, think, uh, that's my plan. But. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, we may
5: be there. Uh, Steven was there last year for D twenty three. It was mm-hmm. a lot of fun.
3: Yeah. Okay. So different.
4: Yeah. If 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 we're there, if either uh, if either of us ends up there, we'll we'll be sure to. Meet up and I'll uh, oh, definitely and have a chat.
5: It was funny last year on D23, you know, myself,
4: Dee Baker,
5: uh, Corey Burton were all on the panel, and there was a fourth member of the Clone Wars cast on that panel, but he couldn't say anything about it because his episodes didn't air until this year, and that was Jeff Fisher. He was playing one of the uh, the Jedi younglings in the in the, ah, the yeah. young Jedi arc. And we had just just been recording those things, you know. And uh, he was like, well, I can't really talk about any of that stuff, can I? <laughs> like,
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we're going to make plans for that. And then, of course, once uh, Celebration hits back here in uh, the States again, uh, that will definitely be a, a, a big go for us because they'll be talking about Episode 7, I'm sure. Hopefully we'll get some video. But, uh, yeah, we're looking at D23 and then uh, Celebration 7, uh, you know, United States when it comes back. So, well, I'm sure we're, we're
5: going to run into you guys. Yeah, definitely,
3: definitely. I got to see you guys again, man. Our, our my family, man, will we'll never forget what you guys did for us. So, I wanted you guys to know that, man. Um, we had oh such a God. blast in Texas. Yeah. It, was it was great. so yeah.
5: much fun. I'm so glad you guys were there. That was. Yeah, a, I've never seen so many podcasters and all that in one place <laughs> it was phenomenal
3: yeah it was it was a great time it was a great time so thanks again well we'll let you get back to your uh, dinner though thanks for stopping in for a few minutes we really appreciate it, it good nope, talking to I'm you again man
5: glad to do it good talking to you guys too all right we'll chat again though okay bye bye
3: all right bye and there you go folks uh we got steven and uh his team to join us so that was kind of cool yeah that that's right blue
4: awesome bonus for this episode Uh, you know like that i can't think of a better way to go out uh for the hiatus and yeah uh, and uh, that's a nice that was a nice christmas gift that i like like i always say i said at the beginning of this episode and i'll say it until the day that i die the things that i love the most are the things you didn't know were coming and i'll bet you anything we didn't know that Steve was coming on the episode tonight and I bet you guys didn't know that Steven was coming on tonight. So I <laughs> yeah. uh, so yeah, that is that's just excellent. Uh, and that was really cool to hear from him about all that uh all that stuff. And yeah. uh and, and you know, uh, looking forward to the second half of this arc.
3: Yeah, definitely and, it sounds uh, like and it sounds watching like it. the
4: whole thing as a whole.
3: Yeah, definitely. It's especially what Steven said there, um uh, he's got to see the whole thing, so he says just uh hang in there, so we're gonna do that. We're gonna hang in there. And and speaking of hanging in there, upcoming episode next uh, next time we meet uh, is I believe Mike called missing in action. Uh, I, I I don't know that for sure. I think that's what it is, missing in action. Yeah, that's
4: uh, that's what it looks like. I, it looks like that. And then uh, let's see what's the episode. Uh, Point of no return. We'll close out this arc. And uh, and and I'm expecting a Republic commando and some yeah. some motivational words from from uh, from one meer gascon so uh, to to get that command back in action uh, so yeah that's what that's what we got to look forward to but until then you guys yeah. can follow us as always uh, on uh, clonewarspodcast.com over on facebook at facebook.com/clonewarspodcast over on the twitter at twitter.com/clonewars slash and you can always send your emails, comments, questions, feedback, anything that you want to mail at clonewarspodcast.com. So thank you for listening. That about does it for us this week and we will catch you guys. Uh, we'll catch you guys in a few weeks back on Frontline's of the Clone Wars podcast.
3: Yes, we'll see you guys in a couple weeks.
4: Well, another
2: close to another wonderful show. Obi-Wan Kenobi here saying thank you for listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. Brought to you by StarWarsDaily.com. The Force is strong with you all, and it will be with you always.